You're listening to Just Ask Malia with Malia Horde of the Malia Realty Group in Lexington, Kentucky. Hey everybody, it's Malia Ford, and I am back around the bourbon table down here at the Let's Connect podcast studio. And today I am super excited because we have a crowd around this table, starting with Karen Mummy and Sophie Clark from the Land Group, as well as Caitlin Pendigraf, our Director of Operations. So we are having a party and I'm super excited to get this conversation going and telling you all about this great success story. So thanks, Karen and Sophie, for joining us. For having us. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. So we started this podcast because there are so many great stories around our town and everybody looks at the people that have, quote unquote, made it or done really well. And they think, oh, it's so easy. And when I look at you, I think, wow, I hear them saying, look at Karen. It looks so easy. And I know that it wasn't always easy. So let's peel back that onion and find out about how Karen got this land group going as well as your estate firm, because you're an entrepreneur at heart. So let's tell people yeah. how you got here. So where did you start? Tell me, where were you born? Because you're not a native Lexingtonian, and I'm not either, so I super love that. Yeah, so I'm a Texan. Texan, um, yes. Longhorn, right? Uh, yes, yes. Um, we moved around a lot. So I was born in Texas, and I was sort of like an Army brat, but we call it more of a football brat. So my dad was a football coach. So with that, uh, your dad wasn't just a football coach. Come on, your dad was. Well, he wasn't a football coach, quote, until he got to Kentucky. So I'm talking about like when we first started, he was a football coach. <laughs> okay, so we actually have two great success stories now because for those of you that don't know Kara Mummy, she's talking about her dad, Hal Mummy, and she has her own great story. But we'll side note and give a little bit about your dad and how he was a football brat. Yeah, well, we were the army brats <laughs> being raised in that lifestyle. So, so you know, typically we moved pretty much every four years. Mm. So born in um, Corpus Christi, but we moved to four different cities in Texas until um, we moved to Iowa for my middle school years. And then we moved to Georgia for my high school. And then I ended up staying at college in, in South Georgia. Okay, so looking yeah. back at that now... Obviously, when you were a child, I bet that was pretty hard moving around. But looking back now, I bet you there's some great ahas that came from that. Oh, for sure. You learn a lot. I mean, number one, you're always the new kid. Always the new kid. So you can rewrite your story over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose so. I don't think I took that approach. I was more the silent type. <laughs> Very shy and timid, you know, and kind of just try to, you know, step back and take it all in and then see, you know, what came and, you know, what opportunities presented themselves in terms of like making new friends and things like that. I probably still do that to this day, you know, take a step back, remain silent and then look for opportunities. I probably definitely still do that to this day. So, um, you know, and being the new kid in school, I mean, school is hard growing up and as a child, you know, kids are mean and, you know, that's a lot. And then if you're moving a lot on top of it, and we're talking about like these were jobs that he had when really like when my brother Matt and I were growing up, like these were not high paying jobs. These were very, very low paying jobs. We had no money. So, you know, he's taking high school jobs, you know, assistance at college jobs. And then he ended up at small college in in Iowa, a very small college and then small college in South Georgia. So, you know, all of the 
sometimes the luxuries that, you know, kids are able to get that makes their lives a little bit easier. Those were not available to us either. So it was an assortment of challenges as we all have in our childhood. However, those are the things that make you stronger and make you who you are and adapt who you become as an adult. And you kind of hopefully learn from those things, use those and channel those into some sort of positive. All I can think about right now is, well, first, when I moved to Kentucky, I knew how mommy was, you know, the big name. But I think about you moving from school to school at a young age, because I moved when I was seven. And I think, imagine if we had social media, how different things would have been. Like I look at my kids now, and you can look at your two boys now, and I think, oh, they're in college, and people are leaving, and Brendan's moving around with baseball. And, and there's that ease of having social media yeah. to stay connected, yes. but yet there's that negative side of, having all that pressure of social media yeah. and being the new kid. What if? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, when we moved, like when we moved, we would have a, my parents would call a family meeting. And the only time they called a family meeting was when we were moving. Uh-huh. So after, you know, four moves and when you start to get a little bit older, you know what's up when they call a family meeting. And back then, yeah, without any social media, it was literally like my mom, I remember her saying to me one time, like, they go by to your friends. You'll never see them again. Oh, <laughs> it's almost like you get worried about coming home because you got in trouble and you're going to have like the talking to. And now you, it, the family meeting is the talk that you don't want to have. It absolutely was. Um, yeah. So those were always a little bit traumatic memories to look back upon because it's always challenging. But again, you know, you just use that whatever happened, you know, whatever those challenges were in your childhood. What, you know, I do believe that the more challenges that you had, probably as a child, that the stronger that you are as an adult, and especially if you can learn to process that in some healthy way and then use it to your advantage. So I do believe that, you know, is a strong part of who I am. I totally agree with that because I look at when, when I moved at seven years old, I was devastated, cried, and it forced you to do things that you didn't want to do, you were uncomfortable. And we talk about that now, right, Caitlin, with new agents, we're going to make you uncomfortable until you're comfortable with it. And every new job, no matter what you're in, I don't care if it's in insurance or being an attorney, being an agent, being in sales, being a doctor, you're always uncomfortable with what you don't know. Yeah, Yeah, I think there is a lot to be said for that. And I don't mind being uncomfortable. And I always say, like, you're not, and I say this to my team all the time because I want them to be so open and honest with me. Like, you're not going to hurt my feelings. That's right. I promise. There's not anything you're going to hit. I've already been hurt. <laughs> yeah. Like, you literally cannot hurt my feelings because I do want to send that message. Like, I want them to be so open and honest and not feel timid or shy in any way and like telling me things. You know, I want them, and, uh, you know, a lot of times that's in the form of constructive criticism towards their boss, yeah. right? But I want to like encourage that from them and probably a lot of the football brat moving around and things like that, you know, being uncomfortable on a constant basis, being on guard and things like that probably attributes to that. So you get down to South Georgia. Yes. You're in high school. Was that your favorite place that you've lived before yes. Kentucky? Because we're going to say miss, Kentucky's your best, yes. right? Miss South Georgia. I was there for you know, four years of high school and four years of college. So it was the longest, that longest stretch that I had been anywhere until now, Lexington. It was beautiful weather, very sweet people. It's about the t- size of Richmond. So okay. I compare Valdosta to Richmond a lot. You know, Richmond has EKU and Valdosta has Valdosta State University. 
they're about the same size school wise as well. And then just the community and they're great. Well, anybody driving down to the West Coast of Florida, you go through Valdosta. Yeah. You're I mean, right going there. there every spring break and playing baseball. Yep. Everybody knows where that is right down I-75. So you go to college there. What happens with the family? Where's your dad now? Where's he taking you off to? He he got the job at Kentucky when I was in my junior year at Valdosta. So he was there for essentially like in football terms, like we say everything in seasons, not years, like what football season. He coached throughout my freshman year, that season, the sophomore year season, and then he got the job at Kentucky. So they moved up to Lexington, and then I stayed behind and, you know, didn't want to leave that Austin. Was on track to graduate on time, you know, had my whole, had a boyfriend down there who then became my fiance and just, Living the dream. Yeah. So you were actually like a true college kid away from the family. Yeah. For that point of time, yeah. Okay. okay. A little bit of time. <laughs> So you run such a high-level, expansive real estate title company. You also have your estate firm, which we're going to get into. But did you think you were going to be an attorney when you were growing up, a little girl, traveling from Texas to Iowa to Georgia? Was that your dream? Absolutely not. (laughs) Was it your dream in high college? (laughs) I mean, because I want people to know that, that a lot of times... We don't know where we're going. And I think today's world, we're so focused on where we're going to be. I see that younger generation, like, I'm going to graduate, and then I'm going to get engaged, and then we're going to get married, and then we're going to have babies, and then I'm going to be this, and I'm going to be that. And we just plan out our entire life that we forget to enjoy where our feet are. Yeah, that's that's very true. No, absolutely not. I was probably what my parents would call like a challenging child. (laughs) So I just always questioned, you know, why do we have to do it this way? Can't we do it this way? You know, or even if I didn't have like an alternative solution of why we could do it a different way. Sometimes I just questioned why we have to do it that way. (laughs) So whatever it may be, I mean, my mom will probably tell you, like, I questioned pretty much everything. And I was a very outside the box thinker. She's a rule follower. I'm very much a procedure person, which has served me well. And I do have a lot of that in me as well. Um, but yeah, I, I did that throughout my childhood. So they would always, my parents would always say to me in a negative context, like, you should be an attorney. You should be an attorney. You know, just like in a negative way because I was just argumentative. So in my mind, that was a negative thing. And to be an attorney. Yeah. And I always just fought back around it. I was like, well, you know, you're not a bad person. <laughs> Like, no, I'm not going to be in a You're going to jail. <laughs> I'm not a bad person. I'm not that guy. <laughs> it's funny. But, so there's even more similar similarities between you and I because when I was in high school, I wanted to be a physical therapist. I thought, oh, this is really fun. I had a, a summer job in a physical therapy center, and I thought it was amazing. And then in high school, I had to, in senior year, I had to take AP physics. <laughs> and I absolutely hated it. Yeah. And Sister Mayor Beth, God bless you, but I still hated your class. But <laughs> I know she's going to listen to this. <laughs> but she was hard and she was mean. And um, I came home crying. I'm like, I'm just not going to do it because physical therapy is four years of science. And I didn't know what to do. And my mom was like, well, you're good with math. You should be an accountant. And I'm like, well, what is an accountant? And what? she's like, you're good with math. You should be an accountant. So I became an accountant and that wasn't any fun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that just doesn't, I mean, I can see that side of you for sure, but that doesn't suit you. <laughs> yeah. Argumentative. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I should come back as an, a real estate attorney. 
Yeah. It was like, God, why? <laughs> Keep asking questions. Boom. We're going to move on. <laughs> okay, so Valdesta, now what happens? In college, when did you figure out you were going to get into law? Yeah, so I was a history major, and I was coming up on my senior year. I had a very serious boyfriend that we were talking marriage or engagement, and that was normal 25 years ago, <laughs> and um, especially in South Georgia. But I just needed to figure out what I was going to do. I didn't have a teaching certificate, so I couldn't go teach. And, you know, law school just seemed like the natural next step. So I just gave it a shot. And I was like, let me check the LSAT. Let me just see. Let me, you know, apply to UK. Let me see how it goes. Just one step at a time. And my mom was really, really instrumental and very good with me on those terms. So she just kind of encouraged me, like, you have to, because it can be so overwhelming. You know, just the thoughts of continuing on your education, going postgraduate, you know, the thoughts of being intimidated by, you know, going um, to a really good school. UK is a great law school. Well, and I think 25 years ago, it wasn't so much the norm as it is now to go for another four years, especially not to be discriminatory or, you know, sexist, whatever you guys want to call it. But it wasn't the norm for women to go on for four more years to become a doctor or an attorney. Yeah. Yeah, right here. So just taking those next steps and then thinking of it in terms of, you know, take it one step at a time. Like, just see, like, just take the, you know, take the prep class for LSAT, see how you do, see what you think. Then take the LSAT, see what you think. Just, you know, one step at a time. Don't try to get too hard, too far ahead of yourself. What a great message. Like, yeah, I think everybody just needs to pause and listen to that one more time. Take one step at a time. Right? Climb the elevator. Like, there's no elevator to success. Everybody's got to take the stairway. So take step one. You can't get to step 10 without taking one, two, three, four. Sorry. And even, like, even after I got in and after I got accepted, she was like, just see what it's like. If you don't like it after your first semester, you can quit. You know, no big deal. Like, okay, no the, pressure from the family. Yeah, could you really quit with your mom? No, actually, I think she did mean that, but also she was very smart because she knew that I've never quit anything in my life. It sounds like my mom. That I've not actually ever quit anything in my life. So probably if she was talking to a different child, she probably would have said it differently. But with me, she knew like she's not going to quit because she's so headstrong, you know, and when she sets her mind on something, she's going to do it. And so, but she said that to me and it definitely worked. I was like, um, you know, this... Yeah, I can handle that one step at a time, take it one day at a time. And in law school, it is very intimidating and there's a lot that goes into it, a lot of studying. And, you know, some of those people that you go to school with are just are absolutely brilliant. So how did you get into real estate law? After your first 1L year um, that summer, you can start working. So they really discourage, you know, you working during that first year. And then you can, you know, pick up a job that summer, you know, clerking for one of the firms. I got a job and then one other clerk from my class at like a medium-sized firm that's no longer around in Lexington. They did primarily insurance defense. So we were working, you know, upstairs. It was one of those old buildings downtown. Upstairs, getting stuff thrown at us from the attorneys in the firm, you know, for insurance defense. And it was just horrible. We were doing like research and presenting to them and things like that. And there was one attorney in the downstairs first floor office, like way back in the corner. And his name is Billy Shiro. Oh, right down the street, Ron. He's like four yeah. doors down from us. Yes. 
And so I said to the managing partner, I said, you know, well, Billy never gives us any work. And like, I knew he did real estate. And, um, you know, can I go ask him if he needs any help? She said, yeah, absolutely. Go ask him. You know, yeah, without a doubt, Billy does a ton of business for the firm. So, yes, if he if he wants help, you can go ask him. But Billy's just the type of guy that's never going to ask anybody to do anything. So he just wasn't that guy. So I went down to his office and I knocked on his door. I introduced myself and I said, Billy, can you please give me some work to get me out of insurance defense? And he said, absolutely. He oh, said, I'll keep you so busy. Yep. And that's he did. how you got it. Yeah. I actually like just sat behind his processor for the rest of that summer. And I just watched everything she did. Like watched her, you know, in, in every capacity. And at that time, the closing statements looked a lot different. And <laughs> the means that we had, you know, technology that we had was a lot different. Yeah. Everything so, was by hand and, yeah. and research. So for those of you out there, Billy Shero has a great title company. He's right here on Southland Drive, literally a block away from our little happy place over here. Yeah. And we've done tons of closings there. And he's he's still the happy guy, isn't he? He is. Yeah. I saw him not too long ago. He came over to our office. He was, I think, representing the seller on a deal. And I saw him not too long ago. And I, I told him, I said, I tell that story all the time, how you saved me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's great. Yeah. So after your first year of clerking, then why? Because yeah. I think like usually you're a runner or whatnot, but you can go right in and and, and, and John. So um, learned everything I could that summer. Really knew the next step was learning how to do title searches. So as a title attorney, um, most of us back then would start with learning how to do title searches. So Billy sent me down to the clerk's office that fall when I started my two L year and learned from the best paralegals down there. So in Fayette County, we have the land records are in a big room that have a big vault door. I don't know if y'all have ever seen them that shuts and kind of locks. It used to literally be the vault or the city. Yeah. And now it's the land records room and it's been the land records room for a long time. But so we called it the vault. So we'd go down to the vault. Nothing was online back then. You couldn't do anything, you know, online. And um, just learn how to do title searches. They still use that term, the vault. Yeah. It's still used. Yes, that's what they're referring to is just because of the door on that, on the land records room. Okay, well, Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of clarity for me, and I hope Jim Mishner's listening to this, because he (laughs) uses that word a lot. I'm like, what does that mean? Now I know it. The belt. Thought it was something special. Like, now I really (laughs) feel like a true Lexingtonian. I'm starting to learn all the ins and outs. Yeah, it's only in Fayette County that they use the vault. You know, everything else is just like the deed room or the clerk's office, you know, because it's because of the door in Fayette County. Okay, so we're going to fast forward. You get out of law school. Then what? Mom's proud. You actually finished. Yes. Like the way she (laughs) planned it. Little manipulative there. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. So I got pregnant with my first child, and I found out I was pregnant in March, um, right before I graduated law school. So that's Lawson. And so took the bar, very pregnant. I was thankfully, like, just prayed to the gods. Like, Did you pass it? Yes. That I passed the first time because I was pregnant. If I had to take it again, I would be taking with a newborn, <laughs> which is much different than taking it right different. No yeah. Sleep. Yeah. So, thank goodness, took the bar um, and then started working at a boutique, you know, title company or or back then it was the law firm. So, boutique law firm that specialized or, you know, focused on real estate. So, when I got into real estate back in, got licensed 2014, January, you were the title company, the closer on my very first investment property. How do you remember that? 
because it was my very first one. You yes, never forget your first. first. We you don't forget your first one. You were at Thurman. Oh, at Thurman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's when I met you, and it was great. I mean, we had full back money on the roof, and yeah, <laughs> you were right. Yeah. It was It became a very uncomfortable at, at the closing table because, because of, of the money. Because yeah. of the roof. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you you were right there and like guided me right through that, so that was pretty oh, yeah. exciting. So I'll always remember that. It is so funny, and I think we try to keep that in mind. And Sophie's here, and she's my main closer, and like you know, try to keep that in mind um, when we're closing because for us, you know, it is another closing, and it's just another hour and another thing that we're booked for. But trying to remember that it is so memorable for a lot of people, you know, because you know a lot of people say that like, oh, you closed my house, and you know. But for us, it's just like another thing on the schedule and just for us trying to make a conscious effort to remember, like, it is a memorable moment for a lot of people. You know, this is a big deal. It's an extremely large asset, you know, and you're adding a lot to your portfolio. Like you said, it's your first rental property. That's very special. I've had many, many since. But you always remember that first one. For us, like, consciously, I think we try to do that as a team, like, really put that effort and really remember that this is a big moment for these people. Well, we call this place our happy place. And I think every time that we walk into your office, it's so happy. I mean, you have the yellow and the gray and the white and everybody in the office is happy. And and you truly help us make that a celebration for our clients. And that's what we're most grateful for is because it is, it's their biggest financial asset, maybe not of their lifetime, but at that moment. Yeah. And it's extremely emotional. And we've been at your your closing table where we're bringing puppies and we're bringing, you know, gifts and celebrating. And we've been at your closing table where it's extremely uncomfortable and you guys just smooth it over. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely try to do that. And, you know, keeping that, you know, calmness in those times that there is tension and trying to anticipate those things and learn those things in advance. That personal touch is so important to us. And I think, especially with our agents that we work with, because we end up you know, you all are going to give us the feedback on what is needed before we even go in there That's so right. that we can be more prepared. And then you guys, we can help you all to keep it calm or keep it moving, whatever it may be, or keep it celebratory. You know, sometimes we're... You know, well, you're part of our team. More. I mean, yeah. we, we truly say it's, it's a whole team. It takes a village to yeah. get to the closing table on every allied partner that we have. We really try to embrace and make sure that we're all on the same page and know what's going on. But your response time is remarkable. Yeah. Okay, so boutique, when did you get to Thurman? So Thurman happened in 2008. So it was with a... A good year to be in your real estate. (laughs) Yeah. That was by design. (laughs) So a lot of firms, you know, a lot of us, you know, felt the effects of 2008 for sure. And I felt it in a big way. I was still young, you know, at that time and needed a place to have my hat. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you. (laughs) Not really, but okay. (laughs) Sort of needed a place to hang my hat, and Bill Thurman stepped in quickly in that regard, and he was amazing. He's such a fantastic mentor. So we were there from 2008 to 2019, so he was a mentor the entire time to to me, but not just to me, like the, the entire office, all the partners, all the attorneys, and, you know, all the employees that, that, you know, came through that office. He's owned his own practice since the 80s, the 90s, you know. And it's still going on. Yes. Yeah. And he still has that. And and you mentioned mentorship, and it's interesting because every single person that has sit at this bourbon table talks about a mentor that has made such a significant impact on their life. 
I'm taking the CEO MBA program with Chris Suarez, and we are studying all the great leaders of our history in America. And every single one of those great leaders, like Rockefeller and Steve Jobs and Gates, all these guys had a mentor. They all talk about the mentorship. And I think it's so important that we we get back to that because I see that becoming a lost art. And I see people that have grown great success in their business looking to do that for others. Yeah. I think it's an efficiency tool. So if you don't believe it in any other way, you have to think of it in an efficiency manner, okay? So if you're wanting to accelerate your career as much as you can, as fast as you can, be as successful as you can, or get to a, you know, certain goals or hit certain spots, then, you know, the most efficient way to do that is to use somebody that you're learning from on a constant basis. And that's all a mentor is, is somebody on a daily basis that's guiding you you know, or a weekly basis, whatever, you know, you may have in place. It's guiding you and telling you what they've seen in history. And that just right. brings it back to, like, you learn from history. So you've got to sort of soak up as much as that as you can. In real estate, we see different circumstances daily on, you know, nuances, on problems that might come up, whether it's on the title side or on y'all's side. You know, so you kind of have to use a history base, if you will, from a mentor that has been there or seen similar circumstances as your guide. And then if you want to learn and grow and be as successful as you can, as quickly as you can, you've got to use that mentor in a valuable way. That's going to be the most efficient to get you there the quickest. You figuring it out on your own and sort of, you know, creating your own path without using that, it'll just probably take longer. I could not agree with that anymore. I mean, like really... We were just talking about it, about being a solo agent, an agent that literally just works for someone for a salary and can only do certain job functions, can only be a buyer's agent, can only be a showing agent, or being interdependent, finding a mentor and really learning how to run the business. And when I started, I opted not to join a team because I didn't know the value of it. No one could tell me the value that they had to join their team. They just told me they were great. And it's not a bad thing. I think we're all, you know, teams have evolved into something that are quite profound. But looking back, we're trying to grow that team here so that it's a true mentorship to make them interdependent, to run a business, to learn how to run a profitable business, and then show them how to do it with the tools and models that we have so that they can go and duplicate it and then duplicate it for somebody else. And I think that's where true success comes, right? And I think mm-hmm. that success is becoming significant in somebody else's journey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Thurman, okay, the big question, you start your own firm. What, like, what was, what was that defining moment where you said, okay, I'm going to take that leap of faith? Because it's scary and yeah. there's challenges. Let's talk about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I had talked to Bill at length about, you know, the need the trajectory of where I was versus where some of the partners in the firm were. And that was kind of at odds. So I, you know, I wanted larger office space. I wanted upgraded technology. You know, I was growing at a, you know, even like starting in 2016 um, at a faster pace than I had ever seen before. So we were picking up more clients than I'd ever seen before. And I was, you know, bringing on more staff than I ever had before. 
and really just needed the extra space, the upgraded technology, and then also to make it more of an experience. You know, by that time, Kentucky was an attorney-only closed state for, you know, since 2000, up until 2003, title companies started coming on the scene probably after 2008. So really, when we get into the 2010s, and then really title companies coming on the scene really put the pressure on the rest of us, which in a good way, you know, to really think about that customer service experience and that celebratory moment. And like, you know, like we talked about how big of a deal it actually is, you know, and recognizing that through your procedures and through your day to day, everything you do in the office. And so I was ready to go there. But, you know, I was still at a place where it was the old school attorney way of doing things. And so there was just a differences and it just came to, you know, came to a head and we still have a great relationship. But it was just time. So we moved. So we moved to Wellington in the summer of 2019. And thank goodness we did because upgrading all that technology at that time came in clutch for COVID. Clutch. That's right. Because you guys guys handled that really well. Yes. Because we hadn't, I mean, COVID was unlike any other time that, you know, any of us in the real estate industry has ever seen. I mean, never in my wildest dreams would I ever think like we have to worry about the health safety of our clients coming to see us, you know, and that was another layer on top of the interest rates being, you know, much lower and the craziness of closing and everything that we were saying transpired during that time. But it was the white unicorn. Those years are white unicorns on top of a worldwide pandemic and everybody trying to figure it out. And imagine if you were didn't have that technology. Okay. Kind of right. I mean, because we had to send people working from home, you know, for the first time, and we had not experienced that. And if we hadn't had that upgraded technology, you know, we would not be able to do that in a safe way. I, I want to stand that. And I also want to go back to attorney only to title because there's so many differences in the West Coast, it's title, and the East Coast, it's title. Where I still feel like we're more attorney only, but I do know title. So explain that to yeah. our listeners. So, Kentucky um, did not change the law until 2003 on attorney-only close here in the state. We were one of the last states to change it. I think Georgia still is attorney-only close. I don't know for sure, but I think, it, I believe it is. Just take things a little bit slower here. I thought they were That changed in 2003. You know, the question of, is it the practice of law to sit there and sign the document, the buyer documents, and go over those terms and things like that with the buyers is what was the stick, you know, that really kind of held things up, you know. Do they need, you know, legal counsel in order to feel comfortable in signing that? Um, but it was something that needed to change because at the same time, you know, a lot of lenders will have you sign a document that says that you ha- you do have the opportunity to seek legal counsel to review the documents in advance on your behalf. Um, and it was just time because at this point, most lenders who are very well versed and know exactly what they're doing are preparing the buyers extremely well on what they're going to be signing, what they're going to be seeing at right. the closing table, you know, so that there's not a ton of surprises. So that that moment where we do come together at the closing table, which is unusual for, you know, a lot of states do not do that. That's right. Where we do come together, it truly is almost a celebratory moment where we are coming together and everybody's signing the documents and, you know, it can go smoothly and the buyers know what to expect. There's no surprises. 
And I'll give personal experience. We just ran into it, right, Caitlin, that we had a client that had a title company out of state, a lender out of state, and just used a notary. And when the notary came to the table in our office, they were not allowed to explain anything. And if you know, the buyer has a couple of inches of paper to sign and everything has to be signed in order for that loan to go through and be fully um, underwrited. And half of the documents we had to sit and explain to the best of our knowledge with the caveat and the disclaimer that we are not real estate agents, although we've already told the buyer and the seller in the state of Kentucky, this is real estate law and it yeah. <laughs> follows the statues and covenants, uh, statutory law. How it was. And we, it, it took us almost three hours to get through that closing and, and the notary just kind of sat there <laughs> and, and we were calling the lender and the whole experience really was, it was unfortunate, but yeah. the other attorney on the other side may, was in the same position I was and we just kind of fed off of each other to make it the best we could be. Where with you guys, when we come in or any title company around town, it's you guys walk through the, the documents, which is, yeah. it, I think it makes the buyer feel comfortable. It makes the seller feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sophie and all of our closing, our entire closing team does a great job of that. And, you know, in providing explanation. And I, I when I have trained our closers to do things, you know, I talk a lot about like reading body language, you know, do you have a buyer who's a little more timid and needs a little more explanation? You know, is there something that you need to call me in on? Because I'm typically always available, you know, to be called in, trying to read the signs and read the room, essentially. Oh, well, I do want to switch over to Sophie on that. that Because <laughs> we just did a closing. And yeah. you were talking about when you first came mm -hmm. into the land group title with Karen, you knew nothing about it. Right. I want you to explain what you told us at the closing table. It was brilliant. I mean, you do exactly kind of what I do with the team where you're taking raw talent, but it's talent. You just need to teach them what to do. Yeah. I came to Karen in May of last year. And I literally just asked her if she needed an assistant. I told her I was willing to take her car to get a car wash. <laughs> I was kind of just looking for like a side gig. I had a full-time job. It was a great position, but it just wasn't super time-consuming. And I'm very much an oddball. I'm a busybody. I'm never stopping. And I've always been a hustler by nature. So I was like, I'm going to get as many side, side gigs as I can. So my mom actually knows Karen, and she told me to go meet with Karen and see if she needed like an assistant. And when I met with Karen, she said, what's your degree in? I told her what my degree was in, which is technically completely distant from title. I mean, it's really has nothing to do with title. And I didn't know what title was. I didn't know that a title company existed. <laughs> I okay. thought you needed Well, most people don't. Yeah, most people don't. We're kind of the hidden behind the scenes. Yeah, we're like in the wizard. Make the blue happen at the end. Yeah, we're like the wizard behind the curtain. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> Long story short, she ended up offering me a full-time position as a closer and marketing help. And I was very confused by that at the time. But since we've talked and like we were talking about mentors, I would say I never really had one until I started at the land group. I had people who I admired. I had people who I looked up to, but no one who really like sat, well, sat down with me for 10 minutes and she says she knew I needed more. Like she talked to me for 10 minutes and was able to read me and read where I was at in such a short amount of time and know that I needed more and I could do more and she could see my potential. So she brought me on and it was two to three months of just intense training. 
it was sitting in with Peyton. I would definitely credit Peyton, our other closer, who's out on maternity leave as a mentor as well, sitting in with her, seeing how she read the room, seeing how she read body language. And then I would take the closing pack home and with a highlighter, just highlight any questions I had and come back in the morning, go to Karen and say, what's this mean? What does this mean? How do you explain this? How does this work? And she likes it that way where she trains us from the start because she likes us to know how she wants things done. She wants us to do things up to the land group standard. We're not, I wouldn't say tarnished, but we don't have a predisposed knowledge of anything. So she's able to train us from the start. No bad habits. No bad habits. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. (laughs) Well, and credit to you, Sophie, like Karen saw talent. It's, It's easy to see talent, right? And people are born with talent. But it's a skill to to take that talent and truly master it. Yeah. And you need the coaching and you need the mentoring. And so many people just want to get to step 10 and not learn step one, two, three, four, mm-hmm. et cetera. And for you to go back to Karen every day and ask for questions. And I was scared to, to, to begin with. With Karen. <laughs> like that shows yes. that Karen saw the talent. Well, I felt like I should know more than I did. And so I was almost embarrassed to go ask. But, you know, I'm. 23 at the time I have never talked about real estate real estate's the farthest thing from my mind I'm not even thinking about buying my own house so to but I always knew that real estate was interesting because I grew up around houses I was always surrounded by beautiful homes with my mom's position so it was really cool I I was interested but I just didn't know how I was interested and she kind of just told me what it was and I ran with it (laughs) so I did not plan this table today Totally. I planned you and Sophie, but Caitlin's here and there's such a parallel between Sophie and Caitlin that it's almost like I want to get goosebumps on my arm because we saw talent yeah, and we were searching for that person that could come in and change our world and someone that we could actually groom and, and have as a partner to help run and grow the business. And Caitlin, the same thing. Like, how'd you come in? I like to say you found me. (laughs) <laughs> I, I searched for you for years. <laughs> you can't look yeah. Everybody will laugh. I had 14 assistants before you. And some of them were amazing, just not the person that I needed now. They weren't Caitlin. They weren't yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> we were looking for you. I like looking for that man, right? Like I found you. No, I mean, you found me about to graduate college and I was kind of, I wouldn't say lost. I had a semi-plan, but I wasn't stuck on the plan. And we have mutual friends, mutual family, honestly. And I was approached by someone and I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And then pretty much the same thing as Sophie. Our first conversation was like two hours long. Yeah. And I could tell like within the first 10 minutes that like the plans that I had weren't going to be the plans that I was actually going to execute and I was going to go a different route. And those first like three months, I'd say I followed you around with a notebook. You did. I went everywhere with you with a very, good, very smart with a notebook, <laughs> and I, I swear, if you turned your blinker on on the car, like I, I wrote down. She turned blinker on. I'm just <laughs> do that, but I wrote down everything, and I think that's why. I think and we're still in with absolutely no knowledge of real estate. Not, not a single yeah. bit. I think it's cool. I think the personalities seem similar in the sense of Caitlin and I which it's funny Caitlin and I actually knew each other in high school that's a while and now we're like full circle I know working alongside of each other so for all my friends in Jersey yes Kentucky is very insensitive yeah (laughs) Yeah. 
But like, you know, I would say that you all are similar in the way of you've trained her to work how you want her to, but your personalities are very different. Oh. And that's how she's also, she's also trained me. Yeah. A little opposites. But we work. Yeah. I'd say Karen and I are the exact same problem slash blessing. <laughs> <laughs> we're very different, but I would say you've challenged me a lot. I'm not going to get sappy because we're not sappy people. I think that, you know, I think what I saw in Sophie and I think I told her this at a dinner after a few drinks, <laughs> not too long. That's where I'll get really honest. And this is probably too much and it's probably, I don't know, not PC, but I think I said that I saw that you just wanted to eat the world. And <laughs> Oh, I love that. And I feel that way so internally myself, you know, just there's just always going to be more you know what i mean i i'm horrible about doing things like this like taking a step back and doing podcasts and talking about where you came from and your history and your life and what you've built so far i'm so forward thinking and i'm just that you know with each day i i just have the strong desire to do more to be a better person you know not just in our success but you know in whatever endeavors that we that we want to go after so um i think i that's what I particularly saw in you. You just, you were ready to just get out there and get after it. And that like hustler thing, you know, really is what speaks to me because of, you know, probably where I came from and just yeah. that, that drive, that street hustle that, you know, there, there's just something like, I want you to be professional and polished, but I also want you to have just that grit. Yeah. Yes. It's so funny you say that because we actually, you were saying that your parents villainized you and said you should be an attorney. Yeah. And that's used against me all the time as it's never enough. You always want more. Like, it's never that's enough. what my husband said. <laughs> He's like, why? That's what my boyfriend says. Why can you not just sell, like, help yeah. people buy and sell houses? Why do you have to, like, go develop a townhome community? Why do you yeah. have to, like, go expand and, like, do this and go across the country and learn from different people? Why are you not just happy selling houses yeah yeah and to have someone that sees the value in that is the game changer i would say to have someone who isn't saying like oh that's a bad thing oh be which we talked about being happy where you're at taking your time but also always having a goal well being the visionary i yeah. think i think we need visionaries in this world to carry people and push people to where they need to be that would never take that risk without you yeah Right. Yeah, I agree. And there's a lot to be said. So as I mentioned, like growing up, like being the silent one, stand back against the wall, watch what goes on and then look for your opportunities. So those are the things that, you know, I really try to do over the years or I have tried to do over the years and I still try to do. And I think with you, Caitlin, you've been really good at one saying, let it go. Calm down. Calm down. It's Okay. <laughs> behind the scenes right everybody sees yep. like the calm one out with the clients but the crazy at the office Caitlin's <laughs> the Karen yeah yeah Caitlin's the Karen and me and you are the same yeah well I mean it's always go 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 and I talk about like stop always thinking about the future because that was my message last week in my MBA course was you're always pushing to go where you need to go but you have to stop and enjoy where you are and Caitlin's really good about reminding me to celebrate and celebrate the small wins and celebrate their small wins and meet them where they are. And, and, and it's been invaluable, right? Yeah. It's a good, it's a good balance. I trust her 100% yeah. with everything. Yeah. 
Because for people who are not programmed that way, that's right. I, we, don't, we don't do it enough and we do not even consciously think of that, you know. Well, so I do need to be reminded. We do. Well, and I'm sure in your family, right? In my family growing up, it was always, oh, you didn't do that well. Make sure you master that. Or, oh, you got a, an A. Why wasn't an A plus? Or you got a yeah. B outcome that wasn't an A. Or, you know, it was always pushing you instead of celebrating where you were. It was on to the next task. Yeah. Which, yeah, winning is everything. Winning is everything. <laughs> oh, and, but I love a great challenge, even if it's like a carrot, right? I always say, even if you tell me like I'm winning a carrot or a pen, yeah. it's just the, the thrill of the yeah. chase and the, and the journey to get that. I know I'm weird. And I'm sure you and Karen are probably the same in this, though. And I preach this to you on a daily basis because you are a visionary and you set huge goals, which I'm sure you do the same. But in order to reach those goals, you have to have the small wins along the way. That's right. Because yeah. if you don't have those small wins along the way, you get that goal feels so far away. That's yeah. Right. And that's what I try to tell you. Yeah, right. Because when we get close to the goal, guess what we do? We change it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, okay, <laughs> bigger goal. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that was fun, but okay. <laughs> okay, so you get into law school, you pass, thank gosh, you just, you passed your law, you're now in Thurman, you start the land group. You have this beautiful office on Wellington overlooking the dog park. You have several <laughs> attorneys now. You have a big staff. You didn't stop there. <laughs> I saw an opportunity, you know. So we had, you know, we were seeing these sellers come across our desk who had not settled their estates or there was something missing. They couldn't get to closing. If, you know, they're maybe missing a order to sell or they didn't have a will in, you know the the um decedent didn't have a will in place so i just found you know i saw opportunity you know something that needed to be resolved and majority of the estate attorneys that we do work with on the other side sometimes time is of the essence is not in their vocabulary and understanding that people that buyers have rate locks for only a short period of time and we need to close within that window of time um, to save a bunch of people a lot of money. That's right. Um, you know, is doesn't register with the majority of just, you know, regular practitioners out there. And I definitely get that. That doesn't affect their practice. And it, you know, most for the most part, it doesn't affect their client. And sometimes it's just awareness that they yeah. just don't have that awareness, or maybe they right. do, but do not have that awareness. awareness. One, yeah, there's no sense of urgency there at all. So um, we did start the estate firm. I started it with a colleague of mine, Josh Harp. He's fantastic. I know you yeah. worked with Josh one on one. He's he's just brilliant. He's he is literally a walking encyclopedia for the law. Anything on the law, he's absolutely brilliant and. We've, you know, started this company or this firm in order to facilitate these, you know, these loopholes that we see that, you know, where sellers need additional assistance that come across. And it's been, it's been great. I want to shout out for you because it's getting your will done. And I yeah. know so many of my friends don't have a will and experience loss in my family at such a young age and seeing my parents die at a young age. I know the importance of that. Having a trust, right? So many of us, especially with the everybody suing everybody, like setting up trust so that you have proper, you know, estate planning and legacy planning for our children and probate and living wills and all of that. You can do that for them. And the elder law, I think, is becoming the bigger topic, especially for you and I looking around at our friends with parents that are still alive and understanding how to protect our parents that 
protected us getting to this point. Yeah, absolutely. It is something that people should prioritize a bit more, especially after they've closed on the home. So, for example, if you know the buyers have just purchased their largest asset, well, now it's time to take that next step. Um, Sophie did a great clip on Instagram the other day on our page just about building generational wealth, you know, and taking the next steps, not just closing on your home, but thinking about the next steps. Like, you know, if this is your first rental house, should it be in an LLC? Should it be in a trust? How am I protecting that asset for future wealth, whether it be, you know, your children you're looking out, out for or just yourself or a spouse or, you know, maybe you're taking care of your parents later on in life. You know how many people actually buy a house as an individual and then put it in an LLC and then they're not protected with their insurance policy because it's under a person and not the LLC. And that was a big aha when we were sitting around the bourbon table with Alex Orlow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thinking about those, you know, just those additional things that are not day-to-day and pressing, but you almost just have to sort of put your affairs in order and put that, you know, put it in perspective that you really want to have all that organized. I'm having a big aha because I think we need to add to our our checklist for our clients in the transaction of, have you thought about a will? Have you thought about a probate? Have you thought about, you know, estate planning, living wills? You know, just knowing that and being the resource, hashtag just ask Malia, right? That's what we do. Right. We always want to help them make those smart real estate decisions, but we also want to connect them to the community and be able to leave that legacy and be protected for the assets we help them obtain. We'll just put in the checklist. Call Karen. Call Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag call Karen. Yeah. <laughs> How it works for me. Okay, so now we have, that's the estate firm, right? And mm-hmm. you guys have three different locations? Um, we do. Six. Oh, well, the land group has six. Yeah, oh, the estate firm has three. Yeah. Okay. The, the land group has six. <laughs> okay, let's talk about those six locations. We have Lex, oh gosh, Lex- Lexington, Louisville, Mount Washington, What's the Indiana one? New Albany. New Albany, Danville, Richmond. That's the six. Yeah. Six locations. Congratulations. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah. And then the estate firm has three locations. Yes. So Josh is out of Frankfurt. He is from Frankfurt. So that's super convenient for anybody in that area. We have Connor in our Louisville office, who is part of the estate firm. And then, of course, I'm in Lexington. Amazing. Okay, so now what comes next? Oh, ah, good question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. You also have Pure Bar, right? I mean, you've been an entrepreneur I, since you're 26. Yes, 26. It was my first purchase of a law firm. And then we, yes, we opened some fitness franchise studios in in the Louisville area, um, Pure Bar, which we still, Madison and I still have the original location. We sold it to two others. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. I love being a business owner. I love being a woman business owner. You know, uh, I love supporting women you know, being a mentor to women. I don't know what's next, you know, probably something that I set my sights on. I'm not quite sure what it is. is. But I do believe in reinventing yourself. You know, I don't think, I think you can stay uncomfortable, you know, no matter what age, you know, and I do believe in that. So I, you know, I mean, I probably. Well, I I always hear people say, oh, you know, you're so busy. No, we're not busy. Intentional people aren't busy. Busy people are worried about what intentional people are doing. Yeah, I like that. Right? Yeah. And people are like, oh, are you ever going to retire? Well, why do you retire from something that you love to do? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I mean, I would, I, I would even take a vacation, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Now, I would love to get my beach house. That is where my balls, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, so I can, like, do that. We have direct flights to Florida, which is really great. But, I mean, honestly, I look at some of the older agents and I look at some of the older attorneys and people that are still running their businesses. Like, Larry Sells just, you know, pro- closes and he doesn't want to hang up the hat and start his own business. Like, why do we have to shut it down? Or why aren't we mm-hmm. building that legacy to leave it to a Caitlin or our boys or you leaving it to Sophia, your voice, you know? Look at Martha Stewart, yeah. yeah Some she's of that. Her 80s. Sure, she's she's like on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Yeah. She's in her 80s. She's now my new idol. She, is. <laughs> she was a big follower. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's had some challenges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think what I hear from you all of this is you moved a lot. Yeah. And you had the challenges of moving, reinventing yourself at such a young age and getting over that uncomfortable self to be comfortable for whatever period of time it was. You had going against adversity with the parents of feeling like things, who you were and your natural tendencies. It wasn't a bad thing. You don't need to apologize. I think a lot of successful people feel like they have to apologize for their high expectations, their high standards, their way of doing things, their long hours, their passion for their work. And then you also had, you know, the mentors, the great mentorship, and you saw the value of the mentors and how it is. And you've turned into an amazing mentor. I mean, I watch everybody in your firm and they just have that can-do spirit, want to do, can-do spirit. Like they want to show up. They want to be a part of it. They want to make the difference. They want to make the experience. And now you're on to just rocking the entrepreneur world like you're not done yet. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, I could definitely see, you know, taking title to new levels, especially with the team growing. And as they, you know, sort of mature into the field a little bit more where they take over more and I can step back more. The estate firm, I am very passionate about helping um, in terms of that. And then who knows? I know I, you know, have dreams of having a farm and, you know, rescuing more dogs. (laughs) That's not a bad thing. All kinds of, you know, just giving back in a good way, being a good person at the end of the day. I think, you know, that would, I'd be happy if that was my legacy. I like that. I like that big life goal of yours, having a farm and helping dogs. Well, why not? Yeah. Yeah. And we can do things remotely too. Yeah. We, we can rock it. <laughs> well, I love that you've added Sophie. It's just, she's a, a light, a shining. Thank you. Sunshine going out there, the way you guys have like done your marketing and embraced the community. You've really been a great advocate and a team partner for us here at the Molly Realty Group. We're so grateful. Anything that we need, you like, you're always the first one to raise your hand when we need something or to answer a question. And that means the world to us. And it, it really helps us be the best we can for our clients. So I think that's what it's all about. Yeah. True advocate. Definitely that team takes a village. It does take a village. Awesome. So for everybody out there, Karen at the land group or the estate firm can answer all of your real estate title questions. If you have wills, if you have probate, if you need a living trust, elder law, like get educated, have a consult with her, you know, phone call. She's easy to talk to. She is so easy on the eyes out there. (laughs) You know, I had to get that in there. I mean, you're just, you're beautiful inside and out. I mean, it's just, you're a breath of fresh air and I really, uh, people need to know that and, and know you. And when they see you, they know it. And you, you came from a legacy, but you built even a bigger one. I think. Oh, thank you so much. So if you need to find Karen, she's at the Land Group title. So if you tell us how we find you guys. 
Um, so we're on Instagram. That's my first thought. That yeah, shows my age. Real. <laughs> um, we are on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. It's Lane Group Title on TikTok. I think we're Lane Group Lex, but we're not as active on there. We're starting to get there. I don't know how to use it, so it's good. Yeah, we we try to share our videos from TikTok on Instagram too. <laughs> okay, families are on our eyes. No, we're but, not going to get a TikTok. <laughs> not yet. I'll help you with it. Um, no, she's trying to keep me quiet. Oh, no, I'd love it. It'd be fun. We could do a little collaboration. That would be a blast. Be a blast. Yeah. We also are all available. I mean, I joke that our business cards have our cell phone numbers on them. That is actually not a joke. That's the truth. And I've had buyers, sellers, agents, lenders call me 630 in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock at night. So Hands on. we're available 24-7. If you need us, our phone number's on the website, landgrouptitle.com. Awesome. Karen, Sophie, you know, we love hanging out with you. Caitlin and I are just so appreciative. The bourbon table has been a blast. I cheers you. We're going to raise our glass. I love it. And everybody out there, thank you so much for jo- <laughs> thank you so much for joining us again over here at Lex Connect here at our happy place. And if you are ready to buy, sell, build, or invest, just ask Malia. Well, that wraps up another great podcast. Thank you so much for joining us at the Just Ask Malia's podcast series. It's always a pleasure to help the local and future residents of Kentucky make smart real estate decisions. And we love connecting you to our community. And that's why we do this. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast series. Make sure your friends and family know all about it. Tag, like us, find us on Facebook, social media. And remember, when you're ready to buy, sell, build, or invest, I'm your girl, Just Us Malia.